Welcome to the Swike Podcast, the only podcast that shares the stuff you didn't know you needed to know about jobs, careers, and life. The Swike Podcast, the stuff I wish I knew earlier. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Swike Stuff I Wish I Knew Earlier podcast. We're here with one of our new guest hosts, uh, Valerie, who comes to us with a background in career development. So how are you doing today, Valerie? Hey, Luki. I'm doing well, thank you. Thank you so much for having me on. Yeah, my, my pleasure. So we'll get you to introduce yourself a little bit and what you're doing now, and then we'll kind of reel back in time and, and uh, talk about what you were like as a kid. So what are you up to these days? What are you up to uh, nowadays, Valerie? Okay, so nowadays I am a career development practitioner. I've been in the field since 2018. I am also known as Valerie Career Confidence Coach, and I specifically focus on helping youth and young adults who may be experiencing challenges with periods of transition, you know, move through that and i love helping them to really hone their confidence by owning and honing their true strength skills talents and zones of genius so they can you know see who they truly are and help them move forward in the direction of their dream careers and much of what i do is because i also experienced very challenging periods of transition and lots of confusion with my own career. So that's what really prompted me to get in the direction of career development. Sounds good. Very useful and very uh, important uh, role that you have. So uh, I'd like if we can rewind a little bit and ask a little bit about what was Valerie like as a kid? What are some early fond memories uh, growing up? Uh, What were you like as a kid? Mm, Okay. So um, growing up, I remember really loving learning. Learning was always a part of uh, my life then. So I remember when I was little, uh, my family went on a vacation to Mexico. I took a book with me, but not just any book. It was probably from the 1950s or 1960s. My dad had a lot of old books and it was a small science textbook. So I was that six-year-old kid on the plane reading a small science textbook as my reading material as we flew down to Mexico. And so that's one of my earliest memories is I always had books. Um, I'm very grateful that my parents, especially my dad, who also uh, loves learning and reading, uh, instilled that love of learning within me. Uh, We were always going to libraries. Uh, I remember writing uh, gibberish on my different, like on my toys, on, I don't know, probably on the walls too. So uh, reading, writing, learning, uh, storytelling, uh, watching uh, VHS tapes. Uh, about different stories or, or about science, how the world worked was always a part of my life from a very young age. Yeah. For those that don't know what VHS is, it was pr- <laughs> prior to DVDs and prior to mm-hmm. CDs and then yeah, before they streamed all that sort of stuff. So it used to be how mm-hmm. we consumed our, our, our video content and things like that. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But um, yeah, so so that, that sounds amazing. T- t- if you don't mind sharing a little bit more about kind of being that, that I, I guess it's a, a bookish kid. So you were at the library a lot, yeah. you were reading a lot. And, yes. and does that mean you kind of kept to yourself? You were like the shy, quiet one or were you, did you have like tons of friends and you were hanging around with folks? Uh, tell us a little bit more about um, a little bit of both. I was. I think I've always been on the more quiet, introspective side. Um, but I also had, you know, school friends as well. Uh, I remember in grade two, I decided to create a spring club with my friends to celebrate the springtime, and I designed you know, uh, how it was going to go down, like design the sign is going to take place in my backyard on my plastic lawn chairs. Uh, although it never went down, like I already had that type of ideation to bring people together at an early age. 
cool. And do you have uh, a thought in your head in terms of like how how well why didn't that happen and and how did that thought get in your head to to do something like that? Hmm. Um. You know, it was a long time ago, so I can't really yeah, remember sure. how exactly it got into my head. But I think I just had that desire to um, be in this type of leadership position to direct, to guide, and uh, create something where people will come together. Um, something of my own. Yeah, I think I just had that creative streak. That sounds good. So uh, books, mm-hmm. trying to become a leader and 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 uh, trying to bring people together. And then how mm-hmm. did that translate into kind of school and your uh, eventual future career? So were you pretty good at school? I would imagine bookish kids are pretty, pretty <laughs> good. Uh, and then how did that translate to kind of your subsequent uh, like degree and, and, and mm. areas of study? Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So um, I think I was a pretty decent student. I remember my favorite subjects in school, like middle school and definitely in high school, because what I studied then led me to why I ended up studying in university. Uh, my favorite classes when I was in high school were definitely like um, English literature, history, world issues. So all about like, you know, the humanities. Uh, English, because I, you know, we'd read lots of books and were sure. able to analyze aspects of humanity through them and then world issues because I was very passionate about making a difference in the world. And so I actually went on to study English literature as my major in university. I actually ended up changing majors halfway through my degree. Uh, But that's how I started off because I really admired my teachers in high school and I wanted to be like them. I wanted to inspire the youths, um, teach them, you know, critical thinking, you know, help encourage them. And so off I went to university studying English Lit, which is no surprise considering I was that bookish kid, loved storytelling sure. when I was little. Yeah. I'd love that you talk a little bit about that transition because sometimes people go in and say, hey, I started this thing, I got to finish it versus they're <laughs> a little bit more hesitant to like make changes mm. in, 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 their, their, um, in, in their degrees. If you could walk us through that process. Be- sure. So um, maybe take, I'll take you a little bit more back in time as well. And this also leads to what I do now as a career development practitioner. Um, so, you know, growing up, um, I am from a, not an immigrant background, but a refugee background. My parents were, uh, if you remember uh, back in the 70s and 80s, uh, the huge influx of refugees uh, from the Vietnam War. My parents were the boat people who um, escaped very treacherously and were able to come to Canada and start their lives over. And so growing up, it was a very small insular community. And, you know, oftentimes from coming from that traditional Asian background, you know, your parents, I'm sure you can finish my sentence. (laughs) Your parents want you to be one of three things, the doctor, lawyer, or... Well, or engineer. So I usually do four. Uh, <laughs> okay. Doctor, lawyer, accountant, engineer, right? So the okay, accountant yes. snuck its Something way like... in there too. <laughs> <laughs> My mom was actually an accountant as well, not retired. <laughs> uh, yeah, so something responsible like that. So, you know, I didn't really have a lot of career role models growing up. It was just, you know, having that traditional Asian background, small insular community, um, didn't have a lot of guidance. And so, um, you know, taking it back to... Uh, when I studied in university, I, you know, in grade 12, it was time to apply for university. And um, actually teaching was one of the things that my parents um, approved of <laughs> as well. And obviously I like to. So I decided to study English literature when I got to university thinking, okay, this is going to lead into going to teacher's college without 
knowing, you know, what teachers college is like, not without knowing the path. Although I had my teachers in high school, like I didn't know what the career roadmap would look like, but I went in thinking, okay, I'll figure it out. Yeah. Which transitioned later to changing my major to uh, women and gender studies. Right. So, so what was that mm -hmm. process like? Because obviously, well, I'm, I'm not sure, obviously, but like, mm -hmm. does that continue or necessitate that you continue down the teaching path? Or was there a different career path that you sought off, uh, sought for switching into uh, women's studies? Um, so not necessary at the time when I changed my majors, I didn't know like what it was going to lead to but i know i knew that i was really over studying english literature i literally studied it for three years and then i started taking some like like old english literature because that was one of the requirements to complete a english uh, major degree and i realized you know what? i do not care about this and uh, i actually started taking some classes in you know women and gender studies and even when i was taking english literature i was taking stuff like post-colonial studies so it was all very like social justice related and i realized you know i'm so much more passionate about this and so that's when i decided to change majors over mm -hmm. um of course again not knowing at the time what career path is going to lead to, but I decided to go with it because it was so much more interesting to me. And later down the line, it does work. It, it worked itself out because I now work with a very diverse population. So my studies in women gender studies really, really helped me, um, you know, to understand the systemic barriers and uh, that people face. And so now you've switched into women's studies and you're mm -hmm. like approaching graduation and, and mm -hmm. now it's looming like, well, what do I do next? So, so what was mm -hmm. that uh, process oh. like for you? <laughs> That's another process. Um, so all throughout university, I, I did not receive any career guidance. Like mm -hmm. I went to the career center once. I think I got overwhelmed and stepped out, but it never really occurred to me to use career services. And I didn't really know about career guidance, counseling or coaching. I always was just in the mindset, okay, I'll figure it out. And because I lacked that uh, career guidance, you know, it took me a long time to, um, you know, get to where I am now, but everything happens <laughs> for a reason, they say. Um, so I actually, after I finished my degree, which actually took me six years because I was literally in my third year when I changed majors, um, completely, completely walked away from my English major and changed to women's gender studies, um, ended up going part-time as well. And, you know, worked in retail at the same time as going to school. I actually entered um, studies for homeopathy at the Canadian College of Homeopathic Medicine after I graduated from the University of Toronto. And I studied that for one year, uh, you know, initially thinking, OK, I'm going to go become a homeopathic physician. Uh, but I decided I wasn't sure about that. And yeah, just uh, did one year of that and then. After that, I was just trying to figure myself out. Sounds good. And and during mm -hmm. that process to, to figure yourself out, mm -hmm. so you, you've now graduated and uh, you, you have this homeopathic medicine mm -hmm. uh, diploma, but you're not sure that you want to go down that route. Mm -hmm. And then you ultimately go abroad and, and start teaching yeah. English. Was that, was that planned or was that something on a whim nope. or, or tell us more <laughs> about that process? Well, um, so I, um, I left the homeopathy school after one year and I just continued to work in the same retail job I had been in since I was in university. I was mm -hmm. in sales. I was an IWA consultant. Um, did very well in sales, top 25 in North America, President's Club. Uh, but I knew I didn't belong there either. And I knew I needed to move on, but I didn't know how to. 
until one fateful day, I met a very dear friend uh, that I went to university with, and she was actually studying at her uh, TEFL or TESOL to teach ESL. Um, she was taking at the University of Toronto, and she was okay. actually teaching adults English, and she was telling me how much she enjoys it, and that she never thought she'd find something so enjoyable. And she also um, talked to me about this opportunity she heard about um, to take the TESOL or TEFL, uh, teaching English as a foreign language, and going abroad to South Korea to teach English. So at that time, when I had met with her that fateful day, I was, you know, thinking about my future. I knew I wanted to make a move on. I didn't know how. <laughs> and I also always wanted to go abroad. I uh, never had the chance to do that in undergrad, and I always wanted to travel. So when I heard about this opportunity, I was like, oh, hmm, hmm, okay, this could be something. So that's how I ended up uh, taking the leap of faith and going to South Korea. Sounds great. And, mm -hmm. and during that path, like, what are the conversations with mom and dad? Obviously, you didn't do the, <laughs> the doctor, lawyer, engineer one, and uh, you decide to switch your uh, studies. And now, like, you don't know what you're doing. Now you, you want to go abroad and teach uh, in <laughs> Korea. So can you describe wow. that conversation a little bit? Well, um, the conversation didn't happen until a lot later. So okay. I decided when I actually went to the information session for uh, the TEFL certification, I just, I had that really strong inner gut pull mm. and I did not let myself back down. So I actually put my money down right there, my credit card, and I oh, paid wow, for the okay. course and I decided, okay, I'm going to take this later in the summer, which I ended up mm. doing. And so I actually didn't end up telling them until, I didn't tell them like, oh, <laughs> the, the night before I was about to leave, but um, I waited until after I had completed the course and when I was in the middle of applying for jobs and interviewing that I, that's when I told them, you know, this is what I'm thinking of doing. And um, so I think at first they had their hesitations as parents, like it's so far, why don't you go somewhere else in Canada? But I knew, especially as a young person at the time, I was in my twenties, uh, it would be like, this was the time for me to take that chance on myself and that leap of faith. Right. And I knew that it would be an amazing opportunity, which it was. Sounds great. Yeah. And how was the opportunity? Did it meet expectations, exceed expectations, totally <laughs> missed expectations, something like that? Oh, gosh. Okay. So, wow. It was such an amazing journey, even like preparing for it, getting the guidance for it, uh, creating the vision board for it. I even had a theme song going for it. <laughs> uh, one of my favorite Disney movies growing up was Hercules. So, okay. I don't know if you know the song. Uh, I think Michael Bolton did a rendition of it called Go the Distance. Okay. That became my theme song. So I spent a lot of time, you know, preparing mentally, emotionally for this. And I even hired a holistic health coach to help me in the months prior, uh, you know, to get all healthy and ready for this big chapter of my life. And so uh, the day came, I uh, flew over to Korea by myself, not knowing, not knowing anyone there. Uh, not knowing the language, not knowing the people, never living away from home before, uh, not knowing the culture, never having taught before, uh, but having that strong pull and that desire to go. So when I uh, went, I, you know, we landed, uh, we met other amazing uh, teachers to be. I was an amazing orientation, started teaching, and then the honeymoon phase wore off about two weeks later. <laughs> okay. <laughs> 
And, well, you got to continue the story. What okay. happened as part, part of that? <sighs> well, you know, I was very idealistic. I was like, yes, I'm going to go. I'm going to change these kids' lives. And I think a lot of us being young people, you know, we are very idealistic. And actually, that's a good thing because it does make us more courageous uh, to go do things that are way outside of our comfort zone. And so um, having not worked, um, you know, never I've never done it before, right? And I think that's where we have to give ourselves a lot of grace as we experience these really challenging things that we have never, ever done before, right? So um, the experience, you know, turned out very quickly tougher <laughs> than I had um, anticipated. Well, I think I knew that there was going to be some challenges involved, um, but I didn't know how challenging it would be. So uh, it was a very tough working environment. It's just a very different culture there. Um, and I was away from home for the first time. So that's huge, right? I really grew up a lot there. Um, had my own place for the first time, had to learn how to navigate a different culture, different language, and working my first full-time big girl job with a lot of deadlines and responsibilities. So I had to learn, I had to learn fast, and I had to adapt fast in an environment that was very uh, challenging to adapt to. Sounds good. Mm -hmm. And obviously, you're not in Korea right now. So you're, mm -hmm. you're back here in Toronto. Yep. So, so walk us through kind of the, the journey back uh, to Canada. And <laughs> Big journey. Oh, okay. All right. So I was in Korea from 2015 to 2017. Um, I, aside from a stint between uh, during the winter holidays, I was honestly so exhausted. I actually took like my last $900 and flew home just for the for like 10 days just to come home, see family, because I was just so exhausted. And um, it was very, very tough. Um, I understand why people do what we call over there the midnight run, right? Okay. Which is when a foreign teacher kind of leaves in the middle of the night, not saying anything. They basically ghost <laughs> the school that they're working at to avoid fees. And like, okay. when I started working there, like I understood like, wow, you know, it's very tough. Sometimes people do end up making decision to leave. Um, and although it was very tough for me, I, and maybe I could have done the same, but for me, it was not an option. I was really determined to see it through and um, go and finish that second year um, contract that I had. So okay. I did it and it was very challenging. It was very tough. Um, it really tested my limits and my belief in myself. Um, but I did it. I finished my, um, second contract there and I was preparing to do what most English teachers do there after they finish their contracts, which is travel and backpass through, backpack <laughs> throughout Asia. Right. However, unfortunately, very, very sad news on the home front came about my grandfather who I talked to more than I talked to my parents. Uh, unfortunately, he was in the last stages of life. So he, I found out he was in palliative. Um, many years before, he was diagnosed with prostate cancer. And so I found out uh, when I was, thankfully, speaking of divine timing, um, thankfully at the time I was already, no, I was still in Korea. And I was, you know, I had my ticket. I was going to go to Okinawa. Always want to go there. But thankfully, I was still in Korea at the time. And so I made the decision to forfeit those tickets and come home. Hmm. And so I must have bought a ticket on like a Sunday and I left on a Tuesday. 
And that was tough. Um, I was coming home after living on my own for two years, totally not wanting to come home, totally enjoying my independence and freedom abroad and, you know, desiring to continue that time in Asia traveling. Uh, But I, yeah, I, I decided to come home because I didn't know how much time he had left. And thankfully, I was able to come home and spend the last month of his life uh, with him by his side. And it was just um, really a blessing and such a special, intimate time that we were able to spend together in his last days. So I'm really grateful for that. Of course, that was also very difficult. As I said, I I talked to him more than I talked to my parents abroad. So we had that close bond. And so to come from such a huge life experience and exhausting one too straight into another exhausting grief fill situation was also very challenging uh, yeah mm-hmm. so sorry for your loss and uh, i'm sure it was uh, you. good that you were able to yeah. uh, spend that time with him and mm-hmm. as kind of life moves on how did you uh make the decision to go to stumble into maybe there was another <laughs> friend that that kind of had a serendipitous event uh, to get okay. into career development. How did that happen? All right. Well, how that happened was um, it, it took a, it was a long period of time before that actually came about. So as I mentioned, uh, my experience in Korea was tremendous. It was life-changing, but it was also extremely exhausting. I was super burned out. Um, to be honest, my mental health there was not good. It was probably the worst <laughs> it had been in one of the worst that has been in my whole life as a young person. And so I really needed a lot of time to recover from that. And I think every major experience and transition we go through in life, and we will go through many in life, we need that time and that space to allow ourselves that grace as we move from one place to another. And so I realized that was what I needed. Of course, you know, I've been working since I was 18. I never not worked for like more than a couple months at a time. I've always had like steady um, employment. So uh, when I found myself lost, burned out and, you know, uh, jobless, I started, you know, I was kind of, you know, freaking out, really hesitant, but thankfully, you know, friends calmed me down and reminded me, okay, Val, you just got back from this tremendous experience. You know, I I went back to live at home with my parents as well. (laughs) So that was another thing going from, having my own place abroad with lots of freedom, coming back to, you know, family dynamics. Sure. That was challenging too. And also, you know, just, just losing my grandfather. Um, all of that, you know, really warranted some downtime. So thankfully friends called me down and reminded me of that. And so I actually realized uh, I needed rest and that's what prompted me to just rest and recover. So for a period of a whole year, that's what I did. And, you know, I had a lot of noise from the outside. You know, parents are starting to get concerned. They're saying I'm not working. I'm at home. <laughs> uh, you know, people telling me, Val, just get a job, any job. But I really knew that I didn't want to get just any job. Plus, I was recovering mentally. Um, I would say it was a traumatic experience in many ways. Like I wasn't like officially diagnosed with like PTSD, but I think I had a lot of symptoms of it and I just needed that time to recover. And aside from, 
you know, the fun employment vacation that I took, uh, you know, hit the West Coast, you know, visited some friends in Hawaii. Um, I literally, I needed that one year to rest and recover. And once I started to feel better, it literally was like, I left in March 2017. It wasn't until like maybe February, March 2018. When I just had a moment, I realized I'm like, I think I'm okay. No, these things. So I just want to encourage everybody listening. If you have gone through something similar and you have been burned out to a crisp, right? It's okay to rest. You know, we go through different seasons of our lives, right? And sometimes you need to be in that little cocoon. So, and it's the being, giving myself that time and space and the grace and to be in that protective cocoon space is actually what allowed me to move forward in the next phase of my life and career, which is where the career development comes in. Sounds good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So if you want to talk a little bit about that transition into career development yes. and to where you are now. Sure. Wow. It's when I look back, it's so incredible how things turned out. And I think that's what really can happen when you trust the process. And that's actually the name of my first uh, public talk. Aside from, you know, the speech that I gave at my grandfather's funeral, Um just give me a moment because it's such a, it was such a tremendous journey. So um, it literally took me like a year after leaving Korea to realize, I think I'm okay now. And so with that, I started to engage in the community again. I started going out there, um, started going to workshops and, you know, taking advantage of all the f- amazing, amazing free resources that we have in the city of Toronto that uh, we both live in. And I started attending events that were geared towards youth. And it was one particular event that was held at City Hall called If I Ruled T.O. And it was a gathering of youth from across the city who really wanted to make a difference. And it was there that I realized connecting with other youth who were similar minded and really want to make a difference in community. I remember that. That's what I was passionate about. And it was also at the event that there was many booths for um, services in the community. And that's where I met, and I didn't know at the time, would be my future employer and what would launch this whole new career into career development. Um, So I signed up for services at a nonprofit employment center, and they matched me with an amazing employment advisor because I knew at the time I wanted to work and I needed to work, but I didn't want just any job. You know, it's getting a little older at the point and I knew I wanted a career. And so I just trusted that pull and it led me to a whole career in career development. Like kind of accidentally, but as we know, there's no coincidences. Sounds good. So it seems like there's a lot of these serendipitous moments that yeah, uh, serendipitous. happen to change your 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 life and uh, like as you said to trust the process yeah. as you continue on like things will uh, present itself in absolutely sometimes the most unusual ways sometimes the most blatant ways oh yeah like. and then yeah so I don't if you don't mind kind of sharing a little bit from kind of that point to where you are now so mm-hmm. you obviously sure. took uh, your diploma at uh, George Brown I did and then you worked at that employer and then I did. you're doing something a little bit different but similar yes um so um uh, i was connected with an amazing employment advisor at this nonprofit, and she really helped me connect the dots where i didn't have a lot of confidence in myself at the time as i mentioned i you know had a really tough experience and 
to, to be frank, I was really terrified to even work again. Right. Mm-hmm. So, and I didn't have, you know, lacking in confidence and not having that career development background. Um, I wasn't able to see and connect the dots on my resume, but she was. Mm-hmm. So she saw, you know, you have a lot of experience in community engagement because even in my undergrad, I, I worked as a food justice coordinator at um, the Center for Women and Trans People. You know, I had a lot of volunteer experience in all involved community. And I studied women and gender studies, which is a specialized social science in sure. a particular area. So she really helped me connect the dots and I became a lot more, you know, I started to gain a lot more confidence in myself. And I joined a youth mentoring and networking program, met amazing um, mentors there who, you know, sometimes we see these People who are like, wow, they're so successful. We think of them in the glass case, but they share, you know, I went through so many ups and downs with my careers and to see them on the other side, really happy in their careers, it gave me a lot of hope. Right? And I think we should never underestimate the power of hope, even if it's a little shrivel. Mm-hmm. And so not long after I joined this youth mentoring program, I was actually hired uh, to become the peer leader. So um, I got hired. I started leading my future, my, not my future, so my fellow peers in networking and I was just coaching them and come to think of it, I was also doing this for my friends. I was helping my friends get amazing jobs in, in their profession, like teaching uh, ESL. I was coaching them on their confidence. I was helping with their interviews and they saw it in me before I saw it in myself. They're like, wow, you're really good at this. Um, you know, I think you should go into coaching. Uh, at the time, I was like, you know, not that confident. I was like, oh, I don't have my stuff together, la di da. But, uh, you know, just put one f- foot forward in front of the other and um, loved what I was doing so much. Like, I think that's been lifelong for me. Like, you know, coaching, encouraging, developing. Like, I initially went to school because I wanted to become a teacher. So I could encourage and inspire young people. And so I'm doing that now in a roundabout way. Um, so that's when I decided to go to George Brown and do my career development practitioner studies um, and gain my certification. And so I've been working um, in the field since 2018, working at a couple of nonprofits, leading youth mentoring programs. And I continue to do that now. Um, but I've also gone entrepreneurial, which is another path I never thought I would pursue when I initially got into the field. Sounds good. Yeah. Thank you. And if you'd love to share a little bit on the entrepreneurial path, I'd sure. really love to hear a little bit about that. Obviously, it's still in its kind of uh, initial st- stages, but yeah, yes. if you could share that, that would be great. Well, um, I really give a lot of thanks to mentors that help me see my greatness, right? And I think we all need that. And every mentor and every coach needs a mentor and coach themselves. Um, so initially when I started in the field, I thought, okay, yeah, I'm going to work at a nonprofit and I'm going to do employment advisory and wow, I'm going to, that's, I've, I've made it. Um, but I met amazing mentors who I, I didn't even know I was looking for them at the time, but just life connects you. It works in mysterious ways and just connects you with the best people that um, you need that you didn't realize that you needed to help you grow and develop to become the person that you are. And um, I'm very honored and grateful to be in that position where I can be that for other people now as well. So I met uh, an amazing mentor who took me under her wing and she's also an entrepreneur and um, she also saw it in me and encouraged it. And so I decided to, again, trust the process, not knowing what the outcome would be, but just, you know, 
continue to follow that pull. And so I started off uh, doing, you know, a lot of volunteer opportunities. Like people sought me out to come speak to their audiences. And mm. uh, over the pandemic, uh, you know, even you and I collaborated during the pandemic um, mm. to bring what, what was formerly an in-person networking program and brought to online. So um, with that opportunity, I was, um, I was able to use a lot of my creativity and basically operated as an entrepreneur during those unprecedented times when we all had to pivot. And so I was able to gain a lot of experience there. And I realized, you know, I really enjoy this, being able to use my creative side, um, bring people together in community. And so I decided to take that leap of faith and invest in myself to help me grow in that entrepreneurial direction, which uh, continues to this day. Sounds good. So mm -hmm. obviously a lot more in store and more to come in, in those uh, veins. So wondering if we, as we kind of wrap up the discussion sure. to, if you could share some of your swike, the stuff I wish I did earlier. <laughs> I know you shared a lot, but maybe summarize a couple of those. Um, so I know there was a couple like, uh, go and seek some career guidance and, and obviously trust the processes in there and then seek out mentors. Those were three. Are there more do you want to elaborate on or the more that you want to share? Ooh, oh my goodness, so much. Uh, it could probably be like a, a section of your book. And I really appreciate you creating these books. By the way, I have I have both of them, um, both of the Swikey books. Uh, Thank you for the support. Of yeah. course, of course. So stuff I wish I knew earlier. Hmm. <laughs> well, believing in yourself, as cliche as a sound comes to mind, and this is always ongoing. Um, I think like so many others, I have a tendency to be really hard on myself. And it can be when I go through different challenges in life, right? There's always going to be challenges, new levels. And um, I think it's really important to have grace and compassion for ourselves. As I'm telling the audiences, I'm definitely telling myself. So I think that's one of the things that I wish I knew earlier is to have more grace and compassion for myself. Um, you know, especially when I was going through the challenges that I did and so much of it was like, I was doing it for the very first time in my life and all of these things, like how to, um, not just manage your time, but how to design your time, how to design your life. These are things that I didn't really grow up knew knowing. And I know many of us mm -hmm. didn't either because there's so many who grew up in like very chaotic type of environments, right? So uh, one of the things that I wish I knew earlier that I just learned in the process is to have that grace and compassion for myself, especially when you're doing something, especially as a young person for the first time. It's so challenging because you're basically learning as you go. You're building the plane while flying it. And whew, it can be a, a very tremendous and exhausting experience going through all of that. So for sure, that's one thing I wish I knew yeah, earlier. I, I, I... And I'm reminded of like, I mean, the, the system is not necessarily set up in your favor where as you go to school, you're expected perfection, right? Oh, you, gosh. you need the A, A plus, that sort of thing. And uh, I don't know if you grew up with like kind of the, the B is an Asian fail, <laughs> <laughs> that sort of thing. So you have a to plus or for, the, for the A, A plus. Woo, which yeah. really messes us up, like mm -hmm. mentally, emotionally. I think so many of us, because of those high expectations and only having those types of high expectations to guide us, you know, we get into the mindset of like just being so hard on ourselves when we fail at something. But what is failure? It's first attempt in learning. And sometimes it might happen over and over because there's more to learn, but um, to not take it into ourselves and 
um, make it mean something about ourselves. I think that's something that we need to be aware of because it's easy to, you know, go down that downward spiral of guilt, shame, regret, so on and so forth. And that's where grace comes in as that bomb. Definitely. Mm-hmm. I, I like that uh, acronym first attempt in learning mm-hmm. um, because I, I think the opposite side of the spectrum is like the only failure is giving up is, is really mm-hmm. that because you need to try, try, try and, and continue on and then you'll <sighs> eventually get better because every yeah. more, more cliches, every expert started as an amateur or, or beginner, that sort of thing. So 10,000 hours, they say. Yeah. Yeah. It's okay to, things. it's okay to suck at first. Like when I, <laughs> it's normal when you, when you first start, like you're probably going to suck. Yeah. And suck a lot. And that's okay because you're just starting out. And to I think what's most important is to not let the fear, you know, cliche again, fear of failure to stop us from even yeah. trying. And oftentimes it does. Um, so just embracing and be okay with um, sucking at first. That's another thing that I would impart with the audience. Yeah. Yeah, and the, one of the major reasons why mm-hmm. cliches exist is because plenty of them are real and actually uh, applicable to many folks. Mm-hmm. So, uh, um, so I'm sure there's more to the story. We could probably dive it Ooh, yeah. into any and or a lot of these topics. Mm-hmm. But uh, as we close off, I'd love if sure. you can share a few uh, kind of future aspirations that you have and, and where can folks connect with you if they Ooh. want to reach out? Okay, so uh, folks can connect with me on LinkedIn. I'm most active on there. You can look me up easily. I'm Valerie Lay. Uh, comma, career confidence coach. And I'm, of course, friends with Luki on there. So you will find me if you're also connected with him. And as for future aspirations, um, you know, I'm seeing where this entrepreneurial path takes me. But I think the direction I want to take is continue to offer, you know, workshop facilitation, uh, mentorship, guidance. I love talking about topics like networking, because that's really what got me into the field, connecting with people, forming community. Uh, LinkedIn also has been so major in my career growth and development. So I love talking about that, Um, offering group coaching, uh, mentoring services, uh, would love in the future. Hey, maybe you and I will collaborate again. Love to create some public events that youth can attend and um, really get an amazing experience like a summit, for example, those are some dreams that I have and maybe you want to come along with me and join. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure we can make that a reality. So Yay. thanks so much. Uh, Valerie, You're very welcome. Sorry. We'll obviously link all that stuff in the show notes and uh, yeah, hopefully have you back for a future episode. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Luki. I really appreciate, appreciate you uh, taking the time to invite me onto the podcast and share my story. And I hope that the conversation um, inspires so many in your audience. Thanks so much, Valerie. You're very welcome. You as well. Thanks for joining us on the Swike Stuff I Wish I Knew Earlier, the podcast. If you like the podcast, please subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you found this podcast. And if you can give us a review, that would be very appreciated. Feel free to contact me on LinkedIn at Luki Danu, L-U-K-I-D-A-N-U, and the same on most social media platforms. And I look forward to hearing from you. Thanks. Bye.